Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education, hosted by travel physical therapist duo Jared and Whitney. Join us every other week on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or listen to the replay right here on our podcast. If you're new to travel therapy and ready to get started, contact us to get connected with the travel therapy recruiters and companies we recommend by visiting TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. If you're ready to remove the guesswork and jumpstart your travel therapy career, let us teach you step-by-step everything you need to know to get started and to be financially successful as a traveler by enrolling in our comprehensive travel therapy course titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. You can visit TravelTherapyMentor.com course and use the discount code TRAVEL to save $150 on our course. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com course and the discount code is TRAVEL. And if you're looking for the best way to get your CEUs online as a traveler who's always on the go, you can use our discount code to get the best rate on an annual MedBridge subscription, which is where we get all of our online CEUs. Use code FIFTHWHEELPT, that's F-I-F-T-H-W-H-E-E-L-P-T, for the discount, all one word. And last, if you're interested in getting started with credit card hacking to take advantage of free or low-cost travel like we do, check out our top credit card recommendations for travelers at TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. All right, and now on to this week's episode. Hey everyone. Hey guys. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor video. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, job market update. It's been uh, since and January before that, so now we're in the third quarter and we'll update you guys on how the job market is now. And uh, it was good to get some feedback. We haven't really been, you know, we've been out of the country now for over a month, so we haven't been too much in the day-to-day um, job openings and things like that besides what's on our job list and referrals we send out. but. Um, haven't really communicated thoroughly with recruiters and companies lately about what's been going on. So it's been really good to get some uh, updated feedback on that. I want to bring that to you guys. So we reached out to all the companies that we work with to get the, the data and uh, we'll provide that to you. So Whitney's going to introduce us and I'm going to get this video shared in a few different groups. All right. Hey everyone, for those that may not know us, uh, we are Whitney and Jared Kazaza and we're the faces behind Travel Therapy Mentor. Um, as Jared mentioned, we are out of the country right now traveling for fun. We're actually on our honeymoon because we just got married in June and we're traveling around Europe for 10 weeks. Um, so as Jared mentioned, we've been a little bit out of the loop, so it was a great time for us to actually catch up a little bit with what's going on in the travel therapy job market and then bring all that information to you. We've been doing these travel therapy job market updates since before COVID, actually. We started doing them at the end of 2019, um, and it's been very interesting to see how the job market has ebbed and flowed over the last few years. Um, we really like to gather this information from all the different staffing companies and recruiters that we personally have a relationship with, which is about a dozen. So we um, stay in contact with about 12 different companies. At each company, we have anywhere from one to 15 recruiters. Um, A lot of the companies we work directly with the CEO or the owner of the company or the manager, um, sometimes the mid-level manager or the vice president of the company. So we get a lot of variety of insights and it's very interesting to learn all the differences among the companies. Um, If you ask a small company that has kind of a niche in a certain um, discipline and setting versus a bigger company that has more of a broad perspective. So we'll try to bring you guys some of those insights so you can see the differences. 
Um, and again, we've been doing travel therapy for over eight years now. We've been involved in the industry. We started traveling right away when we were new grads in 2015. So we have a pretty broad perspective as well about the travel therapy job market. And we've seen, you know, all the changes over the last eight years, you know, when we first started traveling, kind of what the rates were like then and the job availability then to when there was a huge dip during COVID um, to the boom that we saw in 2021 and 2022. And now we're starting to see things kind of level back out to what would be like more of a normal job market. Um, but that may be really interesting to some of you guys because some of you may have started traveling um, only during those really good times, maybe in 21 or 22, um, or maybe you haven't started traveling yet and you just don't really know what to expect. So hopefully we'll be able to bring all of you, whether you're a current traveler, someone who's thinking about traveling, um, we'll be able to bring you some good insights and information. As Jared mentioned, he's just sharing um, the video in a couple of groups so that more people can join on with us live. Um, I know some of you guys will watch it live on Facebook. Others of you will listen later on our podcast or on YouTube. Um, so thank you whether you're listening live or on the replay. If you are listening live on Facebook, we would love if you'd say hi in the comments and let us know who you are. Are you a PT and OT and SLP? Um, are you a PTA, a CODA? Are you a student? Are you someone who's already traveling? Are you someone who's thinking about traveling? We'd love if you say hi in the comments and let us know. Um, and you can also leave us any questions, comments, or feedback during the video in the comments section um, if you have any questions about anything. Nope. Hey, Joel, thanks for joining. Joel, are you on a contract right now or are you between contracts? Hey Juan, um, I believe Juan is a new grad. Have you gotten your license yet, Juan? Have you started? Let us know. Hey Julia, hey Terry, hi Jennifer, hey AJ. Thank you guys for joining in with us live. We'd love if you just say hi um, or hit that thumbs up button if you're watching live. Yeah, so in terms of the job market, overall the travel therapy job market has stayed pretty resilient. And uh, that's been surprising for me and surprising for some of the companies and managers out there because uh, I remember making a video now a year ago talking about how we were kind of pessimistic about what the market would be like going into the third quarter, fourth quarter of last year. And I was wrong about that. Uh, it stayed pretty strong and um, even though things are slowing down compared to what they were like end of 2021, beginning of 2022, it's still a really great time. Pay rates are still pretty good, lots of jobs open. Um, one thing to consider, and we kind of talked about this in that video a year ago, was uh, inflation. And you know, inflation, you see that in housing prices and rent costs, things like that. So I would say now that the market, it's not as high as it was pay rate, pay package wise, it's come down some, but it's kind of in line with like all the other prices that have gone up since pre-COVID. Um, and I would say that's probably the best way to describe how pay packages and things are right now. But yeah, the market in general is very strong. We wanna go over some numbers and uh, some comments that the companies, managers, recruiters that we work with had about the market. Yeah, so we'll go through all the data that we gathered and then toward the end, we'll summarize and talk a little bit about what our recommendations are for you, whether you're a current traveler, um, whether you're somebody who's thinking about getting into traveling. So the first thing that we always ask each company is what are the current number of jobs that you have available for each discipline? And this obviously can change from day to day. Some of them give us the exact number of jobs they had that day, um, or some of them just give us like an average that they've been seeing week over week for the last month or so. Um, I also have a feeling that a few of them only give us their direct jobs because some of them give us numbers that are a little bit lower um, so if you're not familiar about travel therapy, there is a difference between um, jobs that they have a direct client with um, or jobs that are on what's called a VMS or a vendor management system. And the VMS is like a database of jobs that anybody can access. And so some of them don't really consider them 
their their jobs really like because they're like oh well everybody has the VMS job so I'm only going to tell you how many direct jobs I have um, so that could account for some of the lower numbers but also you have to uh, realize that when we ask these 12 different companies some of them are really small and are going to have a lower number of connections and jobs available than these bigger companies that have made a lot more connections over the years so that's why there's a big range here yeah and we found in this job update in general that there was a wider dispersion from answers from companies than in the past. Some companies are saying the market's really strong. Some are saying it's kind of declining. It's a wide range right now. So some of the companies are seeing different numbers and that's flowing through into their opinion about the market in general right now. Yeah, um, but in general, so when we compiled the job numbers, they're relatively the same as they were in the last two job market updates, which were January and April of this year. So there hasn't really been a huge shift in the total number of jobs available throughout the first half of this year, which is great news. That means it's remaining steady. I would say the only ones that went down slightly from the last update were occupational therapists and CODAs went down just slightly and the rest of them seem to be pretty consistent with where they were before. Yep. Okay, so in terms of numbers, um, this is a range based on all the companies that we asked. For PT, currently there are somewhere between 400 and 900 open jobs. For OT, somewhere between 75 and 400. SLP between 50 and 300, PTA between 75 and 185, and CODA 20 to 75. And there was one company that was kind of an outlier for SLPs. So we said the SLP range was between 50 and 300 for most companies. There was com one company that told us they had over a thousand SLP jobs, but those were primarily schools. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like prime school season right now. So I think a lot of uh, school systems are trying to fill needs for travel SLPs right now, so that, that pretty much accounted for the difference, but most of them are all the other ones between 50 and 300. Yeah, and so the majority of the other companies didn't really focus as much on, they don't really have a lot of school contracts. The one company has a ton of school contracts, so they had a thousand plus SLP openings, but the majority, as far as like medical SLP openings, it was between 50 and 300. So, yeah, so very similar to April, those numbers are, some of the set, uh, some of the disciplines are almost identical. Um, but yeah, OT, PTA, CODA are a little bit weaker than they were before. Yeah. Um, so to give you a comparison, last year at this time, um, the PT jobs were just slightly higher. The PT range for April of 2022 was 600 to 1,000. So the PT jobs have come down just slightly, but still very strong. Um, the OT is pretty much exactly the same as it was last year. Um, SLP maybe has come down just slightly from last year. PTA is about the same, and CODA has actually come up come up slightly from last year, so that's good. Um, and to give you some comparisons to before COVID, or actually during COVID, so the job market really fell off, just like everything kind of shut down, right, during those first several months, six months to nine months um, of 2020. So there was a time in 2020 where there were less than 100 jobs for PT, OT, and SLP in the whole country. The, the job market just plummeted, and there were less than 20 for PTA and CODO. So we're really glad that in the last three years that has rebounded and the job market's looking really healthy. Um, and then before COVID, back like 2019 numbers, it would be pretty normal to see about four to 500 PT jobs and about three to 400 OT jobs. So the, the job market's a lot stronger for PT than it is right now, but it's about the same for OT, it's about the same for SLP, and it's about the same for PTA and CODA as pre-COVID. Yep. So I'd say the only discipline that's really 
skyrocketed since before COVID is PT. Yeah, and uh, a lot of those openings we're hearing from companies are outpatient jobs, which used to be kind of few and far between for travelers. Anybody that traveled 2019 or before knows that finding uh, two two outpatient PT jobs together was pretty difficult. Whitney and I were pretty limited looking for outpatient PT jobs near each other, but now it's much easier to do that. Yeah, I would say that outpatient has accounted for a, a lot of the jump in PT jobs. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. And we have a pretty good insight to this as well because we are primarily outpatient physical therapists. So we'll touch on that a little bit. So one of the big reasons that um, outpatient physical therapy has become more in demand is back during COVID, all the permanent jobs, a lot of the outpatient clinics laid off or furloughed or fired their outpatient PT staff because their caseloads completely went to zero pretty much. Nobody was going to outpatient physical therapy because they were afraid to leave their houses. Um, and then also elective surgeries uh, were on pause, which had a trickle down effect. So during that time, a lot of those clinicians left the field and never went back to outpatient physical therapy or they went to different settings where they saw more stability like the hospital, skilled nursing, home health. People also retired and also some clinics closed. So there was a, a wide variety of reasons that there was fewer therapists and outpatient during that time. Yeah, and so now just when the jobs are back or the need for physical therapists is back because everything's back to normal, right? Like people are getting their outpatient surgeries. Maybe we even have more patients that need outpatient physical therapy because maybe they delayed care for a couple of years. So maybe now they're even worse off. They had a problem with their hip or their knee or something wrong before. Now they need even more care. They're more debilitated and we have less therapists to take care of them in outpatient physical therapy. So I think that's why we're seeing um, for a long time, they didn't need travelers. They had a steady amount of permanent therapists in those jobs, but COVID really shook that up and it left all these vacancies in the outpatient physical therapy clinics. Um, I think on top of that, um, from what we've been hearing from a lot of outpatient therapists and outpatient clinic owners is there's just been a lot more burnout and a lot of people are not staying in outpatient physical therapy as long as they used to. It's rare to see an older therapist that works in outpatient physical therapy. They're kind of burning and churning new grads, unfortunately. And so it's leaving a lot of open vacancies where they need travelers to come and fill in. Yep, and we took most of our jobs uh, back pre-COVID on the East Coast and outpatient clinics and pay rates now compared to when we were working then. We look at the pay rates now and we're like, wow, it's crazy. Because almost every job is paying somewhere between 20, 35, 40% higher than it was back when we were traveling. So um, yeah, it's outpatient. It's a great time to be an outpatient uh, PT traveler. In a way, I mean, I guess there's, there's, there's pros and cons because we're definitely hearing from a lot of people that the job environments are not great. Um, it kind of seems like from some of our friends that are permanent therapists and clinic owners, it seems like reimbursement is going down for them and they're just having trouble paying staff enough. Obviously in certain circumstances, they'll pay a traveler a lot of money to come there if they're desperate and then they just eat that cost. But as far as like paying the permanent staff, um, what the permanent staff wants to be paid, it, we're hearing a lot of complaints from outpatient physical therapists. So that's just a little aside about what's happening with outpatient physical therapy. And I think that accounts for a big amount of why there's more PT openings than there are for the other disciplines because we hear a lot of occupational therapists and speech language pathologists that are like, how come the PTs have so many more jobs open? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of factors, but I think that's one of the big ones for sure. Yeah, if it wasn't for that outpatient demand, I would say that the market would be, uh, the job numbers would be almost identical to pre-COVID levels for almost all disciplines now, which is uh, kind of crazy to think about. Everything kind of went through a, a, a big lull and then a huge explosion and then we're kind of evening back out again. All right, so um, I'm gonna go through the questions that we asked all the companies and give you kind of a summary of what they had to say. 
Um, some of them gave you know pretty similar answers, but some of them there was a little bit of a disparity. So we asked them, how was the job market in general the first half of 2023? Most of them said the job market is remaining very strong in terms of the demand for therapists, right? Those numbers reflect that. There's still a high demand for travel therapists. Yeah, they said there's a pretty steady flow of jobs. Uh, there was a slight reduction in quarter one. We heard that from a bunch of companies that they had like a slowdown January, February, March, but that has picked back up now and uh, there's a steady flow of jobs again. But some of the companies were pretty worried coming into the beginning of the year. And also what we've noticed is that some of the companies that staff nursing and therapy have, uh, nursing is really struggling right now with uh, travel rates. Some of the nurses are used to making three or 4,000 a week and those jobs are pretty much gone now. The rates are way down and a lot of the nurses don't wanna travel for lower rates. So there's a, there's a major imbalance in the travel nursing market that is not there in the travel therapy market. And I think the companies that staff both therapy and nursing, some of their uh, opinion about the travel market in general is swayed or it's skewed because of nursing. Whereas some of the companies we work with um, they only staff therapy and, you know, therapy is doing very well um, compared to where nursing is right now. Yeah. So the majority of them said, as far as travel therapy goes, that the travel therapy job is weathering the storm uh, better than nursing and respiratory and some of those other disciplines. They say it's still staying pretty strong, steady flow of jobs. Some of them said there was a slight reduction in rates at the beginning of the year, but now it's completely leveled out. It's pretty much the rates have stayed the same from the beginning of the year to now. Um, one of the companies said that they felt like the jobs were staying open a little longer. And this could be for a few reasons. Maybe there's more listings than there are therapists, which is a good thing for therapists, right? That means that we're more in demand. That means that, you know, the companies might be a little bit more desperate to hire us. Their jobs are sitting open longer, right? Um, the other reason, some of them said they're just not hearing back as quickly from the companies, maybe especially the hospitals. So I don't know what the delay is on their end. And they said that can be a little frustrating, but for whatever reason, the jobs are sitting open a little longer. Back when we first started, it was like the jobs would turn over in like 48 hours. Like if you found out about a job on Monday and you didn't move on it by Tuesday, it would be gone by Wednesday. Yeah, now we have some jobs that sit open on our uh, job list for two or three months, like some of these these clinics just cannot get travelers. Yeah, so I think that's especially the case again for the PT jobs, yep. sitting open a bit longer. Um, most of the recruiters are saying, you know, it's not that same desperation level that we saw right in 21, beginning of 2022, it's just kind of more like steady, back to like pre-COVID normal, which they think is a good thing. Um, yes, kind of the same thing with the rates, just pretty normal rates. Um, a lot of those rates, we saw like some crisis rates there for a little while at the end of 21, the beginning of 22, where you were seeing some PT jobs upwards of 3,000 a week. Um, and that's not really the norm. It used to be back when we first started traveling, it was more like 1,500 to 1,900 a week was pretty average. I think that average has bumped up some more for PT jobs especially, um, but really you're not seeing quite as many of those like 2,500 plus, but you are seeing more 2,000 plus jobs than you used to see. Yeah, and all over the country, whereas it used to be the high paying jobs were only on the West Coast, but now we do see some higher paying jobs even on the East Coast, which is nice. Yeah. Um, they're basically saying, kind of like I reiterated, uh, therapists can afford to be more selective because of the amount of options out there, especially for PT. So that's a good thing, especially for PT. Um, and, and for the other disciplines too, OT and SLP, you know, depending on where you're looking um, and also depending, depending on your experience level and your competitiveness for those jobs. So it definitely seems to be a therapist's market right now, which is a great thing for us. Yep. 
Um, one of the companies said still very strong for PT and SLP, but they've seen a slight decline in jobs for OT, PTA, and CODA, which we did see just slightly on those job numbers. Not a huge decline, but just a little bit. So not quite as strong for OT, CODA, and PTA. And I see we have a few questions and comments there. We'll get to those here in just a few minutes. Yeah, if you guys have any questions or comments about anything we're going over, feel free to ask those and we'll, we'll get to them in a little while. Yeah, and also if you are watching live and you are learning anything or enjoying this video, we'd love if you'd hit that thumbs up button. We'd appreciate it. All right, so the next thing we asked about was how does the current job market compare to pre-COVID job market, which we talked a little bit about. Um, most of the companies are saying that it's healthier, higher volume than it was pre-COVID. Like we talked about, pay rates are higher. A, a few more jobs, especially for PT than pre-COVID. Most of the disciplines are pretty close to where they were back then. Um, a lot of them said OT and SLP are about the same, maybe a slight decrease, PTA and CODA about the same. Um, but it really depended on the company. Some said much better still than pre-COVID, some said about the same. There weren't really any that said worse than pre-COVID though, so things are still better than they were for sure. Yeah, so it definitely seems like it's a better time to be a travel therapist than back in 2015 to 2019 when we first started traveling. I know from our perspective, we definitely see a lot higher rates um, and a lot more job options, especially for PTs. So it seems like it's a lot better time to be a travel therapist than it ever has been. I would say the only, like the peak of it was that end of 21, beginning of 22, when we saw like really high crisis rates, but things have just kind of leveled out more now. And one of the, ther one of the recruiters, um, actually it was one of the company owners, she's been doing this for I think 15 years, 16 years. She said, you know, overall it's like, oh, it's kind of a bummer to see rates coming down and jobs leveling out. But at the same time, from a big picture perspective, that's a good thing because it means that staffing is more normal, right? It means that the patients and the facilities have more normal staffing levels and more consistent care and they're not having to use travelers quite as much as they were last year. So in a way it's a good thing, right? If it's a little bit more leveled out. All right, the next thing we asked about was how does the current job market compare to last year? And we went through some of those numbers, but the companies in general said that um, 2022 is easier to book people, jobs are moving faster, which you know makes sense. Beginning of the year, the job market was, um, I would say, moving more quickly. Jobs were being posted and getting filled more quickly. Uh, there was a lot more demand for therapists. There's still, there's still demand, but uh, yeah, definitely 2022, the beginning and the end of 2021 were like the really peak time for high paying jobs and tons of job openings and, and that kind of thing. So slow down a little bit since last year. She said, um, this particular recruiter said that she felt like the rates were a little more flexible last year. You had a little more room for negotiation, um, but now she's seeing a little bit more restriction on the budget. They're kind of sticking to it, especially the hospital systems, really just kind of sticking to the rate that they posted, not as easy to negotiate, not as flexible. Um, many of the companies said, even though the job volume was up a little bit more last year, that their actual revenue and the amount of therapists that they placed has been better this year. And I think that might be because there's just more travelers that came in. A lot of people got attracted to travel at the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022 because of the high rates. So there was people leaving perm jobs. We got tons of messages from people that were, maybe they'd been a perm therapist for five or six years and they saw these high travel rates and they came into the travel world and then they they didn't leave, they're still here. So um, yeah, there's. I think there's more travelers in general. So probably companies are placing more people, but the job openings aren't that much higher because the higher, the more jobs are getting filled by these other therapists that came in. Yeah, so overall I think that's a good thing. I think that's a win-win. Yeah. Um, and I think just really the sentiment as far as like this year to compare to last year is that things are just more steady. Mm -hmm. they're, you know, we kind of had some highs and some lows and it's like, it's steady now and, and they're good with it. Okay, so 
that's all well and good, right? Like today, in this moment, this week, everything is peachy, right? But for a lot of you that are looking at your future, right? You're trying to see, is it gonna still remain strong? Um, if I'm thinking about leaving my permanent job and getting into travel therapy, is it a good time? Or if I'm thinking about like, I have an opportunity to stop traveling and take a permanent offer, should I do that? Or is it still a good time to keep traveling? That's important to know. Yeah, so we asked, what's the job market? What do you think's gonna, what is the job market gonna be like for the second half of 2023? So what are the predictions? And this was the most consistent answers that we got from all the questions. Pretty much every company said they thought it was gonna be about the same as it is now, or maybe a little bit stronger. So good news for anyone that's thinking about getting into travel now. It does not seem like things are gonna be um, significantly decreasing anytime soon. Rates are staying pretty constant. Job numbers are staying good. They're seeing a lot of jobs come in and turn over each week. So um, yeah, everything going into the second half of the year looks really good. All the companies agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. They all said they think it's gonna stay strong, stay consistent. They think there's still a very high demand for therapists. Um, especially for PTs, especially for SLPs. They said the schools are begging for SLPs right now. So if you're a speech language pathologist that has been considering travel therapy and you're really on the fence about it, if you have an interest in pediatrics or school therapy, huge demand. And it's actually really consistent. It's almost like to be a school therapist as a traveler, you're just moving to a new place for almost a whole year. So it's not as much of a turnover as like being this traveler who has to like move every three months. There's a lot of consistency and there's a lot of benefits to being a school SLP um, traveler. So you can just go to a new place for almost a whole year. Um, so if you've been thinking about it, it's a great time uh, if you're a school SLP. Um, but yeah, overall they said it's really still very high demand. Um, some of them said that their business gets a lot busier in the fall and winter. Some of their therapists kind of take off um, during the summer and then they're looking to be booked into jobs in the fall. So they expect for things to just be really strong. And there's also a lot of new grads that graduate in May, take the board exam in July, start traveling in August. So we see that as well. We see a lot more people asking questions, um, asking us for advice and stuff going into the second half of the year. Yeah, and we're gonna get into talking about new grads here in a minute. So if you are um, a new grad or a student who's graduating in August, pay attention, we'll be talking about that soon. So the next question was, what settings currently have the highest demand for PTOT SLP? Um, the answer varied, the answers varied a little bit, but in general, uh, most of the companies agreed that PT, the highest demand was skilled nursing, followed by outpatient, followed by home health, followed by hospital currently, um, which is crazy to see outpatient ahead of home health. Uh, that was never the case in the past. It used to always be skilled nursing, home health was always uh, the most in-demand uh, settings, but now outpatient is actually above home health, which is pretty awesome. For SLPs, schools, and sk followed by skilled nursing, outpatient school followed by skilled nursing and hospital. Uh, occupational therapy. Oh yeah, uh, occupational therapy, school, skilled nursing, and hospital. Yeah, most of them are saying, as always, like SNF and home health are some of the highest demand in general for travel therapy. You can see a lot of skilled nursing and SNF or skilled nursing and home health openings. But they were saying, surprisingly, like we mentioned, PT outpatient is like booming, better than ever before. Um, and by by and large, schools for SLPs and, and for OTs as well. Yep. All right, so we already alluded to this a little bit. The next question we asked is, how are the rates looking? Are you seeing any change in the rates? Are the rates going up? Are they going down? Are they staying the same? Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, basically they said they're staying the same, still higher than they were. Uh, almost pretty, I mean, pretty much for the last six months now, we've been talking about every company saying that rates are starting to normalize or level out, which is what we've seen as well. So not a ton of really high paying jobs, but not a lot of really low paying jobs either. They're just more um, in that average range, which is, 
probably better for the market in general. Yeah, and I would say the only difference is they said for hospitals, some of the hospital rates are coming down a little bit and that's because of the impact of nursing. So a lot of these hospital systems make decisions for all the disciplines based on whatever they're doing with nursing. So if they're coming down on nursing rates, they're gonna come down on therapy rates too. Yep. Um, so it seems to be a bit harder to negotiate with those hospital systems. Um, although one of the recruiters felt like they were having a better opportunity to negotiate with certain clients. And again, that, I think that comes with supply and demand. Those certain clients are probably the outpatient PT clients, I would have to guess. Yep. Um, because if they're really, really in need of an outpatient physical therapist, they might be a little bit more willing to negotiate. Yeah, this is the most negotiating power PTs specifically have had for outpatient jobs ever. Um, there's just so many and there's such high demand there that if there's a job that's been open for quite a while, then they're willing to negotiate on rates. Yeah, so most of them said that rates are leveling out about the same. We did actually see one that said they were seeing a five to 10% increase. But again, it's like, it depends on who you ask, right? That one company, they focus on outpatient PT. So yeah. they've seen a five to 10% increase, whereas the rest of the companies who focus on all the disciplines and all the settings across the board were like, eh, kind of leveling out, yep. kind of average. All right, um, any change in contract cancellations? And if you're not familiar with travel therapy, if this is kind of new to you, um, your contract can get canceled sometimes. And during COVID, this was major. Like all these people that got fired from firm jobs, well, all the travel therapists got their contracts canceled. Probably 75% of travel therapists lost their job within a week period, which was crazy. And this is one of the big risks that you worry about with getting into travel therapy is, am I gonna have job stability? So you wanna know, is it really likely that my contract is gonna get canceled? You know, I don't wanna pack up, leave my permanent job, move across the country, commit to this place, and then get canceled. So the good news is because of the supply and demand, the therapists are so in demand, the majority of the companies are saying they're not seeing a lot of cancellations. Of course, you get it every now and then um, where they fill the permanent position or whatever and they don't need the traveler anymore. But by and large, they said they're not seeing a lot of cancellations. Yeah, that's that's a great thing. Um, cancellations are one of the worst things about travel therapy. We've made videos on that in the past. Um, when your contract gets canceled, either before you start or soon after you start, that's probably the worst position that you can be in, especially if you have housing already lined up and things like that, or you've already paid for it. So um, yeah, it's important to check on that and keep an eye on how often cancellations are. So uh, it's, a, it's a good thing that there's not many cancellations right now. Yeah. All right. So for our new grads out there, which I know we have a lot of followers and a lot of uh, folks that find us that are new grads, um, is it a good time to be a new grad traveler? Should you take this leap of faith and jump into travel therapy as a new grad? Yep, so the companies all agreed that yes, it's a great time to travel as a PT new grad. Like we said, there's a ton of open jobs, there's a lot of demand. Um, when there's a lot of demand, that's always the best time for new grads because like we always talk about, if a clinic has the opportunity to hire an experienced therapist or new grad, they're pretty much always gonna go with the experienced therapist, that makes sense. If they don't have any applicants though, then they will take a new grad and in a lot of cases they'll be willing to train, they'll be more flexible with things like that. So when the demand is high for travelers that is a good time to travel for new grads and right now the demand is very high for pts especially in outpatient skilled nursing um, home health those settings so if you're a pt uh, that is interested new grad pt that's interested in home health outpatient skilled nursing especially then you're you're going to be in good luck yeah and we started traveling as new grad physical therapists ourselves and so we have a lot of experience a lot of knowledge in this area um, there's always a debate about whether or not, like, is it a good idea for the therapist? Is that a good move for you or not? Um, Jared actually just recently wrote an article, an updated article about this. It had been a few years since we'd written an article about this. We're going to be publishing that on Tuesday. Um, actually, maybe tomorrow, maybe uh, Monday. 
So stay tuned for that. But in short, um, it can be a good option for you, but you definitely need to do your research because yes, we're saying, oh, there's high demand. They really need you. But some of them, they could be desperate and it could be a bad facility. So you don't want to just jump on any job just sure. because it's available and just because they will hire you. Yeah. You have to make sure to do your due diligence and make sure to you know read up on the questions that you need to ask during the job interview. Make sure it's going to be a good fit for you clinically. But there are a lot of opportunities out there. And if you want to do it and you feel confident about it, um, we can definitely help you. Um, we can help get you set up with some recruiters that are good at working with new grads and provide mentorship um, to help set you up on the right path because you don't want to just jump into it and be like, oh yeah, like I'm super needed here. This is going to be great, but then be put in a bad situation. Yeah. And with the demands high and you have a lot of job offers being thrown at you, you have to be very selective. You have to know, you can't just get sucked into a job because, uh, you know, it's the place you want to be or the pay rate's high. You need to be careful because if you get into a really bad situation as a new grad, it can really impact uh, your experience with travel and your, you know, starting out your career. So you want to make sure that you're finding good jobs. And this is the opportunity to do that. You just need to make sure that you're interviewing well, asking the right questions. Right. So reach out to us if you're a new grad PT that's thinking about getting um, started with travel lately. Yeah. For now OT, they said that uh, it's somewhat a good time, but you need to be flexible. And this, this makes sense, right? Like it just has to do with supply and demand. There are a decent number of occupational therapy jobs, but not as many as physical therapy. So this means that as a new grad occupational therapist, you're up against a little more competition, right? There's just more, um, you know, you have more experienced clinicians out there looking for the same number of jobs. So it might be a bit more competitive. So you might just need to be a little bit more flexible on your location and setting. You might not be able to pick the exact city and setting that you want to start out at, uh, start out in. But the same goes for you as a new grad occupational therapist. Just make sure to do your due diligence to make sure to ask the right questions. Um, we can definitely help you out with that. But you just might have to be a little bit more flexible because your um, job market isn't quite as strong as PT. Yes. Um, for SLPs, most of the company said that if, if you have your Cs, then you're in very high demand right now, especially for schools. There is the opportunity right now uh, in some situations because there's a lot of school openings that you could go into a school setting to get your C's during your clinical fellowship here, um, which normally most companies um, and us as well, we don't really recommend uh, SLPs traveling before they get their C's. But, um, you know, if the market's really good and you can find the right situation, then it might be able to work that way. And right now is a time that you might be able to make that work. But in general, um, it's better to get your C's first and then travel after that, um, you know, and make sure that you have a, a strong foundation before you jump into travel. Yeah, you would just want to make sure if you want to try to do a travel contract during your clinical fellowship year that you ask questions during the interview to find out what type of supervision is going to be available. Because in a lot of cases, the, the school system might say, yeah, we'll take you during your CF year. We'll make sure you get your hours. But a lot of times it won't be on site. It might be you only see them once a month or once a week or whatever it might be. So just ask those questions. Find out what type of supervision they're able to provide. Is there another skilled um, SLP um, on site, you know, how often will you see them, those types of things. But in general, it's probably better just to go ahead and do your CFY um, at a permanent placement and then after those nine months, nine or 10 months, I forget how long it is, um, then jump into travel after that. Because once you have your C's, you're definitely in high demand. There's tons of jobs out there for um, newer graduate um, SLP CCCs. Um, and then in terms of travel as a new grad, if you're a PTA or CODA, right? Um, it kind of just goes back to supply and demand. We've said this time and time and again. Of course, there's a little bit less PTA and CODA jobs out there right now. So what does that mean? There's more competition. You're gonna have more competition as a new grad 
PTA or CODA. You're going to be up against more experienced PTAs and CODAs. So you might not find a lot of opportunities. There might not be any opportunities in the one state that you have your license. So you may need to get two, three, four state licenses. Um, so in general, we don't usually recommend that you travel right away as a new grad PTA or CODA. It's not that you can't. It's not that you're going to necessarily have a terrible experience. You can do it, um, especially like if you're willing to get a license in California where there's going to be more opportunities. We just think it's probably in your best interest because there aren't quite as many PTA and CODA travel jobs that you get six to 12 months of experience at a permanent job first and then get into travel therapy once you have a little more experience on your resume. Yeah, and one other thing to think about for PTAs and CODAs that want to travel as new grads. Um, chances are the really high paying jobs, the experienced therapists are going to apply for those since there's a limited, more limited number of jobs, which means that the chances of getting a really high paying job as a new grad are pretty low. And because the pay rates for some of the PTA and CODA jobs are so low, um, a lot of situations it doesn't make that much sense in our opinion to travel. Because if you take one of these jobs where you're making $900 a week after taxes, once you account for duplicating expenses and you know prices are more expensive now than they were three years ago, um, you're really not making much more money than you would at a permanent job. So uh, in that situation, if you can't get a pretty high paying job and those high paying jobs are very competitive, then it really doesn't make that much sense to us to travel. Right, so for a lot of reasons, we think it's a good idea if you're a newer graduate, um, PTA or CODA, or if you're a PTA or CODA student who's about to graduate, we think it's a good idea for you to get a permanent job for a little while to get more clinical experience, but also to build up a little bit of savings before jumping into this world, just because your job market is a little bit more volatile and the job um, opportunities, like we said, aren't as plentiful, right? Yep. So it's just really in your best interest to have a little more experience, make yourself more competitive and build up your savings before getting into this travel therapy world. Yep. Um, so that leads us right into the next question where we asked the recruiters, how is the job market for PTAs and CODAs? And now the majority of them said it's pretty much about the same as it was before COVID, which is a good thing. Um, you know, we saw a huge dip in the PTA and CODA market during COVID. And so now it's kind of leveled out, but all along it was always harder for PTAs and CODAs. There were just never quite as many job openings as there were for PTs and OTs. There's a few reasons for this, right? So for one, if a facility is desperate for staff, um, they can, you know, they're, and maybe they can't really afford to hire a lot of staff at these high travel rates. If they absolutely have to, they might hire a PTA or an OT, or I'm sorry, a PT or an OT, because they have to get those evaluations done, right, in order to see the patients. But they may or may not have to hire a PTA or CODA at those travel rates, right? So they, there's quite often that they can do without the PTA or CODA. Yeah. That's one reason. Another reason is that some of the outpatient clinics where a lot of these jobs are right now, especially for PT, it, they're like small clinics where there might only be one or two therapists in the whole clinic and you know you can't just have a PTA in a clinic by themselves or you know a CODA in a clinic by themselves so in some situations a clinic might only have one PT or one OT and they're not they're not going to be able to hire a PTA and a CODA as well which makes the job numbers a little lower. Yeah and the other thing we see with the um, lack of demand for PTA and CODA is that quite often a market um, either for permanent jobs or for travel jobs might be more saturated with PTAs and CODAs because maybe there's more opportunities for them to receive that degree at a local community college. Maybe it costs less. It's obviously less years of school. So maybe more um, people are getting PTA and CODA degrees and, and this whole region might have tons of PTAs and CODAs, but they don't have enough um, doctor of physical therapy that can do the evaluations or OTRs that can do the evaluations. 
Um, so for a lot of reasons, there's just, it's a little harder to get a job. There, there's not quite as much demand for PTAs and CODAs, unfortunately. Yeah, and in terms of that oversaturation, we definitely see that in our home area. There are, uh, I think there's two PTA or maybe three PTA schools within like a 50 mile radius. So there is a an oversaturation of PTAs there and it's really hard to find jobs in that area. And there's a lot of areas of the country like that where there's schools nearby and um, they're just pumping out a lot of therapists and it, it starts to get oversaturated. Yeah, so in general, it's not quite as easy um, to you know find these high paying jobs and, and great travel opportunities as a PTA or as a CODA. It's definitely possible. We know some PTAs and CODAs that have been doing it for many years. One of our friends, George, he's been a travel therapist for probably close to a decade. Yeah. Um, and he travels all over, he does all settings, but he's always been very flexible. He gets a lot of state licenses. He works in any setting that's available. He even like rode it out through COVID and had a job the whole time. So you can definitely do travel therapy as a PTA or CODA, but you do need to have a little more experience on your resume. Um, to be more competitive for those limited number of jobs and you do need to be flexible have a few state licenses have be open to going to skilled nursing or home health or hospital or outpatient um, if you're like I only want to be in Fort Lauderdale Florida and I only work in outpatient uh, as a PTA you're probably not going to do that well with travel therapy right like you need to be a little more flexible than that yep um, so then we asked about the status of COVID policies with facilities in terms of vaccines and things like that. I know it's not really a huge deal anymore, but we want to um, keep an eye on that because there were there were a lot of people back a year ago that were like locked out of jobs because they didn't get vaccinated and things yeah, like that. Yeah, we were getting a lot of questions from people who were like, you know, I'm at this permanent job right now where like I'm good. I decide not to get the vaccine or, you know, have medical reasons I don't have the vaccine and I'm good right now, but if I leave this job and go travel, are these travel jobs gonna take me without a vaccine? So we were getting a lot of questions about that and people were like, I guess I can't travel because I don't have the vaccine. Yeah, so the answer that we got most often was that most of the facilities have now either decreased or dropped any requirements. Um, occasionally certain facilities and states, mostly California, still do have requirements for like um, having two doses and a booster and things like that. Um, but I mean, I mean, we see a lot of clinics now that aren't even wearing masks or anything like that. So a lot of clinics have just completely dropped anything to do with COVID. And um, you know, you see that in the permanent therapy world, but also travel is the same. Yeah, so if that is a concern for you for one reason or another, um, it definitely doesn't seem to be as big of a concern anymore. If that was holding you back from traveling before, it seems like those requirements are all but gone. And for those certain facilities or states that might still be requiring it, your recruiter, you can easily work with them to avoid submitting to those jobs. And there will be plenty of jobs for you to submit your application to that don't have any vaccine requirements. Um, now, of course, there are certain hospital systems and things that are definitely going to require it because that's just part of um, what's the, um, the onboarding. Yeah, the onboarding. Um, and then obviously some hospitals have always required like a flu vaccine. Um, so it just depends, but you know, there will definitely be facilities out there if that's a hesitation for you um, that will accept you without those vaccines. So that's the majority of the questions that we asked. Um, we also asked if they had any general insights about the job market. And then this kind of was like a catch all that brought up like lots of different things. So we're gonna do some summary and talk a little bit about that. Um, we'll get ready to do that here in just a minute. If you're watching live, again, if you have any questions or comments, this would be a great time to go ahead and type those in the comment section and we'll go through any of your questions toward the end of the video. Um, also, if you got any value out of this video, we'd love if you would just hit that thumbs up button um, and let us know, we appreciate it. So, um, one of the companies, I, we said, what are, what are your general insights about the job market? And this was kind of a long mantra, and we've heard this from a lot of recruiters where they just feel like so many therapists are really money hungry, but 
and so some some of them are just like old school and they're like oh like there's so much more to think about right like you got to consider is it a good job like blah 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 um but we get it like we understand why a lot of therapists are like no show me the money like i only want to take it if it's a really high paying job right especially like there's a comment we need to go back to here talking about housing right like inflation is a thing housing is expensive we get it um but it definitely is causing some contention with like certain recruiters and it's basically like a lot of them were used to seeing travelers that were more loyal to them that would um you know go to them first and try to see if they have a good job for them instead of just like dumping them to go to another company because they saw you know twenty dollars higher on a job list somewhere yeah. um, and that is something to think about and we've we talked about that in a video i think we made a video or wrote an article about relationships and how if you if you're loyal to a uh, recruiter and a lot of situations they will go out of their way to help you either and that might mean submitting you to a job over other candidates it might mean um, decreasing the margin so you make more on that contract there's a lot of different ways that recruiters can either uh, if they like you they can help you you know if you're a loyal person and you you stay with them for a long time and if they you know they don't think you're that way then maybe they try to take a higher margin from from that contract um, so there's there's situations like that um, Relationships can definitely be important in the travel therapy world. We've seen that a lot in the, the years that we've traveled. Um, but yes, we definitely see as well that there are situations where it makes sense to jump from company to company. I mean, we did that for sure. If there was a job for us back then, it was like, are, do you even have outpatient jobs where we're looking? If not, then yes, we're going to go to another company. But also, if there was a job that paid 200 to $300 a week more, we're definitely going to go to another company. So uh, I think there's a balance there. I think you can't just stay with the company forever if they're paying you way lower than you're seeing for other similar jobs in the area. But you also don't want to jump from company to company because you really miss out on some of that um, human relationship aspect if you're just going from high paying job to high paying job from company to company. Um, so there are definitely pros and cons there. We understand both sides. So another recruiter said kind of the same thing, but they were like a little more specific and they were like, what should we do? They were asking for our advice because they were like, you know, we have our website we have this job list and I would like to be transparent and list the rates because a lot of therapists now in this day and age and we do it too it's like you like to look at the rate and you like to be able to choose between a list without having to like call the recruiter and then be like well I have this one job and it's here and you know you just want to look at the list and look at the rate but you know it's a lot more complicated than that actually because some of these facilities say it's a hospital they list a rate, but a lot of times there's a negotiation that can be had, right? Like they might say, this is the rate, but if you have a, a recruiter who knows that facility well, knows the job market well, knows your experience level, they can actually submit your application at a higher rate if, it, if they think it's gonna work out and it's gonna be beneficial to you. So what this, this recruiter company they were complaining about is that they're seeing that on some of these job lists, job boards, the jobs are being advertised at rates higher than are actually advertised by the facility themselves. And what they're figuring out is happening is that some recruiters and companies are putting jobs on these lists at higher rates just in, they think that, okay, I'm gonna be able to get a higher rate for this job. Even let's say it's $60 an hour, I know I'll be able to get 65, so I'll list it at this higher rate. And that makes some travelers think that their company is paying them less or they're lowballing if they got an, an offer already for the job. But that's not the case, it was just that your recruiter or your company or whatever other company is paying lower, they were gonna submit at the rate that was already suggested, whereas this other company is gonna submit at a higher rate in hopes that it'll work out. And it doesn't always work out. And uh, that creates some like animosity sometimes because basically you think that this job is available at a higher rate, but it's not. It's just a, a situation where that, that company is going to try it. And if it doesn't work out, then 
your recruiter or your company was already getting the highest rate they could have. Um, so that's a weird situation that doesn't really make a lot of sense for some travelers that are new and they don't understand how the whole process works. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I can understand how that would be very frustrating to some companies that they're trying to do the right thing, they think, and not trying to uh, submit you at a job at a higher rate that you might not even get the job or that they might decline the rate in the first place. And then they've already promised you this higher rate and then they have to be like, oh, sorry, never mind. Um, some companies don't want to do that, whereas other ones are they're willing to do that. And it's just, uh, it's not really morals. It's just uh, a different philosophy, I guess. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I'll say about this too is you have to just be a little careful jumping from company to company strictly based off what you see on a job list. Yes. Because many companies, as you can see here, this one is asking for our advice. He's been doing this longer than we have, but he's yes. just like, what do, you, what do you think is the best maneuver here, the best strategy to get the therapist's attention, right? And that's what all these companies are doing. They're just making choices behind the scenes on how to advertise a job to get the most attention. So because of that, a lot of companies will list um, a weekly pay package like as gross, for example, instead of as net. And so obviously the gross number looks higher, but if they don't put in the details of the job list um, describing to you exactly how this pay is being presented to you, you could be duped. You could be confused and be like, well, it looks like this company is paying higher, but they're just listing it different than the other company. Yeah. So gross versus net is something that you always need to ask if you, whether it's a job list or it's like a Facebook group and you see a recruiter say like, well, I have that job in Austin, Texas for this amount of money. Well, then you just need to quickly vet it, the situation and say like, well, are you listing it as gross or net? And is that the whole pay package or, you know, whatever, because yeah. maybe your one recruiter lists it for you as net pay, but then they also are also giving you a reimbursement for uh, relocation and license. But this company is not giving you a reimbursement. They're just listing it as a lump sum. So it looks higher, right? So all of this to say, you really need to educate yourself on comparing job offers and make sure that you're not jumping ship from your recruiter that you have a good relationship with for this that says it's $100 higher when it may or may not actually be $100 higher, right? Yeah, the job boards and job lists are really causing a lot of issues because there are so many different ways that you can hide things and you can advertise things higher. And some companies are really taking advantage of that, whereas others aren't. And like I said, if you have a recruiter that you've been with for a long time and you, you consistently see these high numbers on job boards and you're like, I, is my recruiter just taking advantage of me? A lot of times that's not the situation. It's that these jobs, they're advertising with no reimbursement, so the number looks higher. They're advertising possibly gross pay, so the number looks higher. They're, they're advertising it at a $5 higher rate than they're actually even the facilities advertising at so that they can say that the job's higher. So if you add all those things together, it might look like that, that company can pay $400 a week more and in reality it's actually the same as what your recruiter has it's um, I don't know there's just a lot of tricks you can play with these job numbers and if it's only a job title a uh, little description and a pay package you don't really know that much about and not even a pay package just a number yeah you know a weekly number so how do you how do you deal with all this right so what we recommend and have always recommended is we think that you should get connected via you know us or other experienced travelers get connected with three recruiters that have come recommended to you by someone else. Three recruiters that have, you know, at least one or more therapists has had a good experience with, right? Start there, build a relationship with three different recruiters and go through the process with them for a couple job searches, right? It's, you're not gonna know in your first five minute conversation or the one post that you see on Facebook or the one job list that you look at for one second, you're not gonna know how the company operates, 
um, if they're a good company, if they're a good recruiter, exactly how they're pitching pay packages. It takes a little while to just like learn that recruiter, learn their style. And we do think it's important to build a good relationship with two or three, right? So now you're gonna go through a couple of job searches with them and you're gonna say like, well, each time they pitch a job, they pitch it like this and I know exactly what to expect and that sort of thing. And then compare the rates between the three, compare the job options between the three. But of course, you know, keep your job options open. Keep, you know, look at your lists, look at your job boards, those sorts of things. Maybe every now and then if you see something that's like way better, inquire with that recruiter, but it's gonna be a little harder to do that way. And a lot of times you're gonna be behind the eight ball because with your three recruiters that you already have, you might already have your resume and your profile and everything submitted. So that recruiter can go ahead and submit you right away to a job. The very first time you contact someone through a Facebook group or a job board, you have to get on the phone with that recruiter, set up a time for a call, learn exactly what the pay package is that they're pitching to you. And then they're like, okay, do you want to be submitted for the job? And you're like, yeah, great. But then they're like, now I got to get your resume and your references and your profile. And then maybe the job's already taken. Yeah. So you have to be really careful with job boards. Like all of that already is a huge hassle. And then to top it all off, we know for sure that some of the job boards, some of the companies sometimes will list jobs that either don't exist or they'll pretend like the pay's higher. And in some cases, they're just trying to get your contact information. But you don't know that until you've already entered your information and then you get connected with a recruiter and they say like, oh, actually, you know, that job filled, but I do have other jobs in California. And I mean, it's just. And uh, usually when it comes down to it, they're probably paying about the same as your other three recruiters. I mean, obviously there are outliers, like there are going to be some um, situations where they can pay, pay higher for a certain job. There's going to be some situations where they have a job that no one else has, right? But I wouldn't be so quick to just hop around every single job search to something from a job board. I yep. would stick with the tried and true method of having two or three solid recruiters that you work with. And then maybe after you've been doing this for six months or a year, maybe you kind of are like, I still feel like they're paying me kind of low. Maybe I need to pick up a fourth recruiter or like get rid of one and get a different third yep. recruiter that could pay me higher. Um, but again, like this is, it's complicated, right? We've been doing this for eight years and we've interviewed more than a hundred recruiters, um, you know, we we work with a lot, so we can definitely help point you in the right direction at least on a few good ones to start with, and then you can personally interview with them and work with them for a few job searches to see how they work for you. Like if your personalities match, if you like mesh, if you like the way they're doing things, if they have the jobs in the area that you want. Um, but we've that's the best method we've come up with, right? Is interviewing dozens of recruiters and dozens of companies to be able to give you the best advice possible. Yep. All right, so there's one last thing we want to talk about. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments, post those now. We're going to go through those in just a minute. Uh, but along the same lines of the job boards, one of the recruiters was talking about double submissions, which we've talked about in the past. It's been a little while. Um, but I think job boards are causing there to be more people submitted for um, the same job from different companies. Because if you go and you're like looking at all the jobs in California and a certain region, and you go to like four different job boards and you submit, you don't, they don't say the name of the facility. And that's, that's obviously on purpose so that you're not taking the information from one company and taking it to another. But what can happen with that is you get submitted by one travel company for this job and you get submitted by another travel company for the same job. And um, that can cause issues behind the scenes with the facility. If they're getting uh, bombarded with, uh, uh, different companies submitting you for the same job, well, then they have to be like, okay, well, which company do you want to take this job with if they want to hire you? And in some situations, they'll just completely throw out that application and be like, this is too much hassle. We'll just go with someone that was submitted one time. So you have to be careful with those double submissions. Um, that's something that is popping up more often now, and I think it is because of job boards as well. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with that terminology, um, I think Jared kind of explained it, but just to reiterate, it's like 
you're being, you don't want to be submitted to the same job by two different companies. You only want to have your application submitted by one. So all that negotiating, trying to decide which company to go with and things, do all that beforehand and then say, yes, I want you to submit me to this job in Austin, Texas. I do not want you to submit me. Only you can submit me, but it can get confusing like Jared said, and sometimes you get double submitted and that can cause a lot of problems with you, the facility, with the staffing companies. You only want to have your application submitted at once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to wrap up a couple of closing thoughts, um, one little thing um, as far as the school SLP jobs go. One of the companies that works with a lot of schools mentioned that because of COVID, a lot of a lot more people were wanting um, remote jobs, right? Like a lot of us are like, yeah, remote jobs, that'd be great. So for a while, the SLPs especially were able to do remote teletherapy for schools. Well, now a lot of the schools are coming back and being like, no, we only need in-person. We can't have you doing remote anymore um they were having compliance issues so unfortunately the way of the the direction that they're going now is having all the slps pretty much be in school so it does seem like it's gonna be harder to find those remote jobs um like it was back with COVID. so if you're an slp that's been doing remote it may get harder and harder for you to find remote jobs yeah um and then yeah just most of them are basically just reiterating it's a great time to be a travel pt um, especially as well as an OT and SLP, the job market is very strong. They continue to hope um, and think that the job market is going to be strong toward the rest of the year. It's definitely looking strong from our perspective, especially for PT, somewhat for OT and SLP, somewhat for PT and CODA, but definitely for PT. Um, pretty much as strong as ever. They see it still being steady throughout the rest of the year. So it's a great time to be a traveler. Yep. All right, we'll start with the questions and comments from the the top, the oldest ones. All right. Hey, Joel. Joel says he's a PT traveling for two years now and just started a new contract in New Mexico. Awesome. I hope that goes well. Uh, hi, Mom. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Okay. Jennifer says PT and spouse is a PT. Two full-time job. Oh, they took full-time jobs one year ago. Been with that company on and off for 18 months. We'll eventually go back to travel. Okay, yeah. Jennifer. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, that's an important thing to think about. Um, Permanent doesn't have to mean forever. You can take a perm job, stay there for a little while, and then you can always go back to travel. Um, she said she meant to say her spouse is a PTA. Yep, definitely a good time. If you guys are thinking about getting into travel therapy, I think it's a good time um, right now. As far as pairs go, again, always you have to be a little bit more flexible. Um, if you're a PT-PT pair, opportunities are numerous. If you're kind of like a mixed pair between PTOT or PTPTA, it might just be a little bit more flexible, but I still think it's a great time to be a travel pair. Yep. Joel says he's paying $500 in rent, including utilities right now. That's a, that is a steal. That's a steal. Okay. Um, um, Renee says, hope you're enjoying your travels. Thanks, Renee. We are about halfway through our trip. Right now we're in Norway. Um, if you're not following us on Instagram, um, our Instagram handle is just at Travel Therapy Mentor. The place that we're going after this, um, we're really excited about it. We haven't announced it yet, but um, we're going somewhere in Norway that I'm so excited about. So there's going to be lots of cool pictures. So stay tuned. She's been talking about this for like four months. So yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, Joel says, I'm in an inpatient, outpatient hospital setting now, 20% inpatient, 80% outpatient. That's awesome. We love those jobs. Uh, it's nice to kind of not always just be in the same setting, have a, a little bit more uh, variety. Um, he also says they still need two more PTs here and there's another um, clinic nearby that needs three PTs. So definitely high demand for PTs in New Mexico. Um, okay, so this is something I want to talk about. So Jennifer says, I don't see that the small increase in weekly take-home pay is making up for the out of control 
housing prices, which is why I went permanent last year. Yeah, this, I mean, this is very location specific. So for us at least, um, most of the jobs that we took were on the East Coast and housing prices have definitely, housing buying prices have gone up, but rent prices are not up that much. And short-term rentals, they were really crazy for a while, but we've seen a lot of that kind of go back down. Um, so I would say, at least from the places that we've been and the jobs that we used to take versus jobs now, uh, the pay rates are much higher compared to what inflation in, in terms of rent prices and food and all that. Like probably pay packages, average pay packages is probably up about 30%. I would say rents maybe up like 10, 15, 20% in our area. And, uh, but uh, with that being said, I know that if you're taking jobs in Miami, Miami rents are up like 100% and short-term rentals are up even more than that. Or Austin, they're up like 100%. So it really is location independent um, or location specific because I know there are some areas where rent really hasn't gone up for three years. So it really depends on where you're taking jobs. Yeah, but with that said, we think that now more than ever, you have to learn how to be a financially savvy traveler. It's not just handed to you that this is going to do well. We actually, um, you know, just to plug our, our course here, we have a travel therapy course that we titled um, being a financially successful travel therapist because we know that there's a lot of travelers out there that go into travel therapy and they just break even or come out behind because they aren't smart with their money, right? So one side of the coin is you need to try to look for higher paying jobs, right? Like, oh, I need to make more money. But the other side of the coin is you need to be savvy about your housing choices. So you have to do a little bit more research before you accept a job and try to determine is is my um, cost to income ratio going to work out well for me at this contract? Like, is it worth it for me to take a contract here at this rate if the housing is this? And we usually do that by just doing like a quick search on Furnished Finder um, or something like that, just to get an idea of what housing might, might be like in that area before accepting a job. You won't always have time to wait and actually find housing before saying yes to the job, but you just need to be a little bit more conscious, a little bit more aware of it. Um, and in our course, we do talk a lot about those things. And we also did a video um, maybe six months or a year ago specifically talking about this topic. So you can scroll back through our videos and podcasts and find that um, ways to be savvy and take a look at both your costs back home, your fixed costs, as well as your costs while on assignment. There are ways that you can still make this work for you and come out ahead financially, but it's not just going to be handed to you. You can't just assume, oh, I'm always going to come out ahead financially as a travel yeah, therapist. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there are definitely areas now where it doesn't make sense to travel. And um, we've written about this and talked about it in the past, but we purposely avoided the high cost of living areas, obviously which meant that we almost were never getting really, really high pay packages, but we were still saving way more than any other travelers we knew um, that were taking those high pay packages because our costs were lower. So if you go somewhere where you know rent costs are maybe only up 10%, which that's a lot of the country in the last few years, um, and meanwhile, pay packages are up 30%, you're coming out way ahead now. But if you go somewhere where rent prices are up 100%, pay packages are only up 30, you're really not doing that great. So it really depends on where you choose to go and uh, your situation. Our friend Ryan giving us a little plug. He says, it's been a minute since I've tuned in. And I just wanted to see if you had any new promo codes. <laughs> Ryan loves to mention our MedBridge promo code. We actually do have a new code. So for the longest time, our MedBridge promo code was Fifth Wheel PT, which is our old blog, which we still have. But um, for shout out to you guys that have been around since the Fifth Wheel Physical Therapist days. But we finally got with the new name and got our own Travel Therapy Mentor MedBridge code. So if you do need to get CUs, um, our new code is just TTM. Super easy. A little more simple. A little more simple. Um, let's see. 
Also, Ryan, who's not a therapist, says he works with a software company that works with um, schools, K through 12, and they said that many of the customers said they've had a lot of turnover with their therapists. Um, and he says the jobs are out there in the school systems from his perspective. Yeah, that's definitely the case. They've had a lot of turnovers, a lot of need for school therapists, especially SLPs. Alrighty, um, Nicole wants to know, I'm graduating from OTD school in a month. Congratulations, Nicole. Do you have to pass your boards before starting travel therapy is what she wants to know. In general, yes. Um, there are situations where a, a temp license might work, but those are kind of few and far between and usually only in very specific circumstances. So yeah, focus on passing your board first and then once you pass, start traveling. Yeah, for the most part, like if you were gonna work on a temp license, for one, only some states even have temporary licenses. Um, and you have to have your notes signed off and like be supervised by a therapist in order for that, um, or in order for you to be able to see patients on a temp license from, from what I understand. I never used a temp license, but that's how I think it works. So the reason why most travel jobs can't do that for you is either they don't have the staff or they just don't have the time to provide you that um, supervision that you need under a temp license. Now, if you're going there and you're applying as a permanent therapist, a lot of times they will invest that time in you because they're like, well, you know, we're going to get a return on this investment, right? You know, we'll support them through this three months or six months on a temp license and then they'll work for us full time. Well, they're usually not going to do that for a traveler, right? Um, so it's possible you can always ask, but it's a lot easier if you just wait until you get your regular license. Um, Renee says, I don't have Instagram anymore. Um, Renee, I do share the Instagram stories to our Facebook. So you can see um, our Facebook stories on our Travel Therapy Mentor Facebook page as well. And we have definitely been posting a lot of pictures from the Nordic countries. Joel says, how many PT Compact States are there now? Um, good question. It's I think it's half. I think it's 30. I think it's right around 30 right now. I can't remember. That are actually activated and issuing licenses actively. But um, there is, I think there's only like six or seven that haven't at least initiated the process to start the compact. So we are really happy with the compact license. It's crazy how fast it's moved. And um, yeah, I think once, you know, 40 some states are in, that's gonna be amazing for the, uh, for the profession, be able to get a lot of people in these jobs that are a little more um, difficult to find therapists. I mean, there are some states where people just don't get licensed very often and the jobs sit open for a long time. But if it was real quick and you could just get a compact and go straight to that state and work in that, that clinic, then maybe you would, you'd love to go there. Um, so I think that really opens opportunities for people and especially places like Alaska where license is kind of a pain. Some people consider going there, but they don't want to get the extra license. Well, they're trying to join right now and that would really be kind of a game changer for some of those small communities that really need therapists. Yeah, and I think the OT and SLP compacts are on their way, but um, we'll do another update about the compacts soon. Um, I haven't looked into it too much in the last couple months. Yep. Okay, uh, one more question. Nicole says, uh, let's see. I saw most of the OT travel jobs provide a housing stipend. Is this stipend a set rate most of the time or is it based on where you find to live? So. It's set based on the area, not based on the housing that you choose, but it's not set based on the whole country. Like it's not the same for the whole country. It's, yeah. it's based on that area code, that region, um, that major city, or sometimes just that state. Yeah, so it's based on, yeah, the region of the country has different costs and the different costs basically allow them to pay you a different stipend. But if you choose to stay somewhere that's a four bedroom house, that costs 3,000 or you choose to stay in a studio that costs 800, you still get the same amount of money for that job. Um, and with that said, so the state sets a cap on how much they can pay you for a stipend, but that doesn't mean that the travel company is always going to pay you the maximum amount. 
Um, and this goes a little bit deeper, Nicole. You're gonna have to read up on some of our articles in understanding bill rates and travel therapy pay packages. So I would highly recommend, Nicole, if you're still trying to learn these essentials of how the pay packages work and those types of things, um, go to our website at TravelTherapyMentor.com and look at our free Travel Therapy 101 series. Specifically for you, I think it sounds like the pay article will be really helpful, Travel Therapy Pay 101. It's gonna explain to you how the pay packages are broken down, the stipend, the hourly, um, how the pay package is calculated, all of those sorts of things. You absolutely need to understand that before you start applying for travel therapy jobs. It's, it's essential. Yep. Renee says, do you think California will ever go compact? Uh, I honestly don't. Probably It'll, not. they'll probably be the last ones because they have so many open jobs and they have so many therapists applying for the license and they make a lot of money from their license application fee. The most expensive in the country. Um, I, I don't really think they have much incentive. It's not like they they have a shortage of therapists or a shortage of people that want the license or anything like that. I just really don't think they have incentives like other states do. So probably if they're the last state and uh, they get a lot of pressure, maybe they'll do it. But otherwise, I just I don't think they will. Renee says, I have kept my California license because it's time consuming to get it again. Yeah, I would keep yeah. it if you already have it. I would too. Um, OT... Steven says, hi, I'm an OT in Illinois. I thought it was pending legislation, but I can't tell if it stalled out. Looking forward to your compact update. I have a few licenses I'm letting expire. I had to get my eighth license since I moved back to Chicago. Um, yeah, last I heard, I wanna say it was like beginning of 2024, but just check, I think it's like otcompact.com or otcompact.org. They'll have an update on there. Yeah, when we went to the OT conference, um, there was a lot of confusion because there was people that thought the OT compact had already started. So our understanding, talking to the, uh, I can't remember the OT, OT compact coordinator or something like that at the OT conference, uh, they said something like the states are, they're agreeing to participate, but it actually hasn't been enacted yet. Yeah. So there's no compact privileges being issued until I think it's the beginning of 2024. By any, any state. Any state. Yeah. yeah. So all the states, when you go to the map and you see, and it, it says they're participating, that just means that when it is enacted, then you'll be able to do, you'll be able to get the license for those states. Yeah, but I think it's 2024 before yeah. um, it actually gets active. All right, so I think that's everything. Renee says, great live today. Thanks for all the information. You're welcome, Renee. Thank you yeah. for tuning in. It's been a while since I've seen your name pop up, so it's good to see you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for all of you that tuned in live. Thanks for those of you that will listen later on the podcast or on YouTube. We appreciate you guys. If you have any questions, feel free to send us a message, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, send us an email. Um, contact us through our website at TravelTherapyMentor.com. As I was mentioning to Nicole, who is watching, if you're new to travel therapy and say this is the first video or podcast that you stumbled upon, we really recommend that you go check out all the free resources we have on our website at TravelTherapyMentor.com. It's essential that you learn the, the basics, get a good understanding of what travel therapy is, the questions that you need to ask the recruiters, the questions you need to ask on the phone interview with the facility, because you can really get in a bad situation, um, and we hate to hear those horror stories. So that's why, you know, Know, several years ago we created travel therapy mentor so that we can help you guys not make those beginner mistakes so check out our travel therapy 101 series and then after that you can dig a little deeper if you're interested in our course we do sales a couple times a year um, that's definitely the most comprehensive resource that we provide um, the other day I went and sat down I was auditing a little bit of the course to make sure that the videos were working correctly and we sat down and recorded over 12 hours of content just like every single thing that you would need to know based on our experience and our knowledge from the last several years and it's very comprehensive if you want to understand like what is travel therapy how do i get started how can i be financially savvy through this journey so check that out if you're interested and also last thing um, if you guys are thinking about getting started with travel therapy whether you're new or even if you're a current traveler who just 
is like, I don't really think I have the best recruiters, reach out to us for recruiter recommendations. Um, again, that's just a little form. You can click on recruiter recommendations on our website um, and we'll get you connected with a few good ones. Yep. All right, thanks everyone. We will hopefully be doing another video in a couple of weeks, maybe about the compact. Um, we've got about another month in Europe and then we'll be back home after that. So we'll do at least one more video before we, we head back home. Yep. All right, thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great night. All right, take care.